0: Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that the message that you are about to hear not only encourages you, but helps you follow Jesus like never before. If you feel blessed by this teaching, I want to challenge you to do two things. First of all, share this with someone that you know needs to hear this. And second of all, I want you to consider giving back to the ministry so that other people that just like you could also grow in their relationship with Christ. To do so, simply go to cfmiami.org slash give, and there you can follow the instructions. All right. Thank you so much. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. Amen. Amen. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? Come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise. Amen. Amen. One day, every knee will bow down. And every tongue will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen? If you believe that today, give Jesus another shout of praise. Well, we want to welcome you to Christ Fellowship. My name is Carlos, and I serve as the executive pastor here and I'm part of the teaching team and if you're joining us for the first time we want to say thank you so much for being a part of our experience today and if you're at one of our campuses across Miami we want to welcome you our West Kendall campus Doral, Homestead, Redland, Core Gables, downtown and if you're watching us online Christ Fellowship on the way can we give it up for them as loud as you can. Last weekend we concluded a series called Before the Throne theology on prayer how many of you enjoyed that series we heard such great feedback and so this weekend uh, we're going to dive into a palm sunday experience palm sunday message and so if you have your bibles you can open them up to john chapter 12 we're going to begin in verse 12. john chapter 12 verse 12. here's what the word of god says the next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. I want to take us now to John chapter 19. This is about seven chapters later, a few days later. Many of the same people that were there were now saying the following, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar. Let's go to the Lord now and let us pray. Father God, we just come before you, Lord, and we thank you because you are a good and gracious God. Thank you, Lord, that you have brought us to this place, Lord. It is a blessing, an honor to be able to be here together to worship you, the king of kings, the one who died for us, Lord. So, God, I pray that you eliminate every single distraction from our mind, from our thoughts today, God. May you speak to us today, Lord. We want to be transformed by the power of your spirit through your word. It's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Amen, amen. How many of you are excited? Come on, make some noise again. Amen, you can have a seat now at all of our campuses. And many of you may know my beautiful wife, Shawnee and I, we've been married for almost 10 years. In fact, uh, August 5th of 2022, we're gonna celebrate our 10-year anniversary. And so we're already planning a trip and we've been thinking about it. But as we were planning a trip, we started thinking about the different trips that we've been on. And uh, before we had our first child, Noah... Uh, Shani and I went on a baby moon. In fact, there's a picture of Shani when she was pregnant, and so yeah, we went on this baby moon. And uh, baby moons are common because couples want to go on a trip before they have to go through all the long sleepless nights and they have to go through all the challenges of having a newborn. And so I told my wife, "Baby, we're gonna go on this baby moon." And so I'm gonna plan this trip. And so I get an email from Groupon. And there is this special for a, a hotel resort in the west coast of Florida, of the state of Florida. So I go to, and I click on the, on the site. And I notice that this resort is, you know, nice hotel, you know, good pool, right by the water. The rooms look comfortable, good ocean view. And so I booked this resort. And so I tell my wife, baby, this is going to be an amazing baby moon It's going to be an amazing time. I'm so excited. So the day came, we went in our car, and so we had the music loud. I had my flip-flops on. I had my sunglasses on, my flip-flops on. And so we were on the way to the west coast of Florida. We're taking selfies in the car, putting it on Instagram, hashtag babymoon, hashtag we're excited. And so we're driving, and as we are making our way to this hotel, I start going, we start getting closer and closer. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not the hotel that I was expecting to go to. I mean, on the website, it looked a lot nicer. It looked a lot bigger, it looked a lot better. And so I look on my phone and I checked Waze and GPS. Maybe they took me to the wrong place. So I look at my phone, I'm like, oh snap, that's the hotel. So I told Shawnee, Shawnee's pregnant as all. And I told, baby, don't you worry. Don't you worry. I promise you it's gonna get a lot nicer. It's gonna be a lot better. You know, the rooms are comfortable. So we go to the lobby, it's okay. And so we go up in the elevator and we go to the room and the furniture is outdated. It had that smell, like old hotel smell. It was, And I'm like, okay, but it has a balcony, it has a balcony, and baby, it's an ocean view balcony. And so on the website, it looks something like this on their website, but the reality was more like this. And so I'm exaggerating, it wasn't that bad. But, but they said ocean view, that was that ocean view. I was like in the corner, and you can just see the bay, like a channel of water, look like a canal, and so it wasn't like that. I'm like, babe, don't you worry, don't you worry. You know, we have some vouchers for the, for the restaurant. I've heard some good things. I think it's going to be great. We're going to have some steak and lobster, and so on the website, I saw something like this, like this is going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing, but the reality was more something like this. Nothing like it. I'm telling you, it was not what I expected to experience. And I learned a lesson. Don't buy anything on Groupon. Maybe you've had better luck, but it's on Groupon for a reason, right? And so, you see, the experience was not what I expected. I expected something, but the reality did not match my expectation. There was a gap between what I expected to what I actually expected experience. Now, let me bring all of that over to our teaching for today, because we laugh right now about a vacation that did not go well. See, in life, we all place expectations. We place expectations on people, and we place expectations on things. You see, when you go to a restaurant, you're expecting to enjoy a good meal. When you turn on your car You're expecting for your vehicle to turn on so that it can take you from one place to another. When you come to church, you're expecting worship. You're expecting a message. You're expecting for me not to preach too long and not too short. We all place expectations. But what happens when we live life and we experience unmet expectations? What happens when our marriage is not what we expected it to be. We were longing to get married and we found the love of our life, but as we are now married, it's not what you expected it to be. What happens when being a parent, being a father, being a mother is not what you expected it to be? What happens when the relationship with your children is not what you expected it to be? What happens when your career life, when your love life is not what you expected it to be? And if we were to be honest with each other, as followers of Jesus, oftentimes we place these expectations on Christ. We place these expectations on God. And when they're not met, it can affect our relationship with God. And so with that being said, this is our big takeaway for this weekend, and we love to take notes. This is our first point for today. If you're taking notes, I want you to take out your listening guide, take out your Christ Fellowship app. This is the first point that I want you to write down today. We all place expectations on Jesus. We all place expectations on Jesus. The question is, what expectations are you placing on Christ? Now that poses the question, Pastor Carlos, How do I know? that I'm placing the right expectations. What are those expectations that I should place on Jesus? Well, we're gonna find out today as we go through this narrative in John chapter 12. And so I wanna read that passage once again. I wanna take us back to John chapter 12 because look at what the Bible says. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him crying out, Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Now, let's stop right there because I want to give us some context to set up the teaching for today. This passage is a really well-known passage, and it's known as the Triumphal Entry, also known as Palm Sunday. This is the beginning of Holy Week. This is where Jesus Christ... God the Savior would be riding on a donkey, on a coat, and he will make his way into Jerusalem where later on he's going to be arrested, he's going to go through trial, then he's going to be crucified, and then we celebrate Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus. Now to give you a little bit of content of what's happening here, in this part of of Jesus' life, this is the culmination of his life. We've told you before that Jesus Christ lived on earth for 33 years, and three of those years, uh, Jesus did ministry. And so when Jesus is riding on a donkey, he's a very well-known person. All over the villages, all over the towns, they had heard about Jesus. They had heard about all the miracles and healings that he had performed. They had heard about Jesus feeding over 5,000 people with five pieces of bread and two pieces of fish. They had heard about Jesus turning water into wine they had heard about jesus calming the storm with the command of his voice they had heard about jesus healing the man who had been paralyzed his entire life and the day before in john chapter 11 jesus had just resurrected his friend lazarus who had been dead for four days so with all of that in mind everyone who was around jerusalem heard that jesus was coming and Jesus is a very popular figure, and so they want to go out there to meet him. Now, the Bible says that they were there to celebrate a festival. Just to give you a little bit of biblical content here, the festival that the Jews were celebrating was Passover week. And Bible scholars believe that there were about 2.7 million people who were in Jerusalem Jerusalem during this time. See, the Passover celebration is the Jews celebrating what God did for them in the book of Exodus. We've told you before that in Exodus, God sent 10 plagues, and one of them was the angel of the Lord. And so what the Jews did is that they had to put blood on the doorway. And if they put blood on the doorway, the angel of the Lord would pass over their home, and God would protect that home. And so the Jews were celebrating Passover, and so the Bible says, with that being said, the Bible says, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, so they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, say with me, Hosanna, Hosanna. say it like you mean it, Hosanna. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, now if you're taking notes, I want you to circle that word, Hosanna. Because in its proper context, that word hosanna means, save us now. That's right. They see Jesus on a donkey and this massive crowd saying, Jesus, you are the king of Israel. Hosanna, save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so they take out palm branches. Now, you might be thinking, what is the significance or what is the meaning of palm branches Here's what would happen. Back in those days, whenever a king would come through after, after winning a battle, they would lay the palm branches for the king to come. So the palm branch was a symbol of success. The palm branch was a symbol of victory. It was a symbol of achievement. It was a symbol of peace. And so when Jesus is coming on a donkey and all these people are laying their palm branch they're saying, We've won. Here's the Messiah that we've been waiting for. We've been longing for. There's gonna finally be true peace. We have victory because of Jesus who's coming to Jerusalem. But here's the thing the same people that were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, less than a week later, in John 19, They were saying, crucify him, crucify him. I don't know that king. I don't know that savior. That's not the guy that we follow. Why? Because Jesus did not meet their expectations. You see, the people of God, the Jews, they thought that Jesus was gonna free them from the oppression of the political, of of the Roman uh, regime. And so they felt like that was their greatest need. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down as your next point. Our expectations depend on our needs, on what we feel is our greatest need. They felt like their greatest need was to be liberated from Rome. Back in that time, Israel was an occupied country. And so the Roman Empire, they would control their politics, they would control their military, and they would actually ex- extract an exuberant amount of taxes on the Jews. They were taking advantage of the Jews. They were margin- They felt marginalized. They felt ostracized. And so Jesus is coming. Here is the man who has done all these miracles. Here's the man who's done all these healings. Here's the man who is going to save us from the oppression of the Roman evil empire. He is going to eliminate all of our problems. They felt like their greatest problem was a political problem. They wanted to be rescued from their political condition. They wanted to be rescued from their financial condition. They wanted to be rescued from their physical condition. But what they really needed to be rescued from was their spiritual condition. Five people heard that. What they wanted was an earthly Messiah. What they really needed was a risen Savior. And when Jesus did not meet their expectations, they went from taking the palm branches and saying, Hosanna, there is peace now, to then saying, crucify him. That's not the Jesus that I serve. That's not the Jesus that I worship. That's not the guy that I want to follow. And you may be thinking, Pastor Carlos, I can't believe that the Jews would do such a thing. I mean, they've been longing and waiting for a Messiah for hundreds of years. They had Jesus right there in the flesh on a donkey. And yet they turn their back on Jesus. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That is a picture of what can happen to someone, some of us, when we follow Jesus, when He does not meet our expectations. We create our own version of who Jesus should be. Wow. And when Jesus does not meet our version then it affects our relationship with with, with Christ. You see, if you feel like your greatest need in life is a financial need, you will create your own version of Jesus being like a spiritual banker. Oh, I'm going to pray more so that Jesus can give me more and more money. I'm going to pray more so that I can have more and more wealth Oh, I'm going to pray more so that Jesus can bless me with that thing. If you feel like your greatest need in life is a romantic need, a love life, then you're going to see Jesus as the ultimate matchmaker. Oh, I come to church so that God can bless me with that guy. God can bless me with that girl. I need to find that person. If you feel like your greatest need in life It's not just a financial need, it's not just love-like, but if you feel like your greatest need in life is more possessions, then you're gonna see Jesus as like a genie. God, I come to you so you can give me a bigger home. I come to you so that you can give me more stuff. If you feel like your greatest need in life is a social cause, you're gonna see Jesus as a philanthropist. If you feel like your greatest need in life is a political need, you're gonna see Jesus as a political savior. If you feel like your greatest need in life is to make it to the top, is your potential, you'll, you'll create a version of Jesus that he's a motivational speaker. What version are you creating of Christ? Christ. But here's what I want us to realize at all of our campuses. Jesus is much more than that. He is the savior of this universe. And 2,000 years ago, he came down, rode on a donkey, made his way into Jerusalem, lived a perfect life, died on the cross to forgive us from our past, present, and future sins. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? Come on and give Jesus a shot of praise because your greatest need in life is not a political need. Your greatest need in life is not a financial need. Your greatest need in life is not even an emotional need. It's not a physical need, but rather it is a spiritual need. And when Jesus died and he resurrected from the grave once and for all, he took care of that need. How many of you are thankful for the forgiveness, the mercy, the compassion, the grace, the love that comes through Jesus? Amen. So if you're taking notes, write this down as the next point. Your greatest need is the forgiveness of your sins. Amen. Greatest need is the forgiveness of your sins. But oftentimes, we are so distracted by other things. I've told you before, my wife and I, Shawnee and I, we have three children, and you know Noah and Nathan, they're seven and eight, and they've transitioned out of the uh, car seat stage. So they no longer have to be in a car seat. Thank God, it makes traveling a lot easier. I can't wait till Everly gets out of that stage. I mean, she's four years old and she's really small, so it's going to take her a while. And so I'm like, baby, grow, grow faster and faster. Shani and I are not too tall, so it's going to be a while until she transitions out. And so one of the things with Everly, our four-year-old, is that she doesn't like being in the car seat. I mean, she fights it all the time. I put her in the car seat. She's like, ah, fighting it. She wants to take it off. She wants to feel freedom. Freedom. She wants to go into the back row of the van and play with her toys, play with her siblings, be on the phone, be in an iPad. And she doesn't want to be in the car seat. And what's happened before is that we will be traveling and all of a sudden she will take her car seat belt off and she'll get out of it. And I have to pull the car to the side or my wife goes back there and she puts her back into the car seat. And Everly does not realize the danger that she's placing herself in. She doesn't realize that her greatest need at that moment is to be in that car seat. Put your little tushy in that car seat, baby. She does not realize that. She doesn't realize that if we get in an accident, something can happen to her. It can be even fatal, she can die because she is so distracted by other things that are so minute in comparison to being in that car seat. Can I remind us today, Oftentimes we are so distracted by the things of this world that are fleeting and are temporal, and God wants to remind us, "Listen, listen, your greatest need is the forgiveness of your sins." Because why? Because the word of God says in Romans 6:23, "For the wages of sin is death. Sin brings separation between us and God. God is holy, we're not holy. God is perfect, we're not perfect. God is flawless. We are flawed people. But the good news in that same verse, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. How many of you are thankful for that good news? I am preaching to somebody today at our Doral campus, at our West Kendall campus, Redland, Core Gables, the good news of Jesus Christ. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So you may be thinking, Pastor Carlos, I'm tracking with you and I get you and I understand and I'm totally getting you, but so what is the right expectation that I should have on Christ? Write this down as 2A and B. Here's the right expectation. He is the Savior of our sins and he's also the Lord of our lives. Say it with me, Lord. Lord. Say it like you mean it, Lord. Lord. Lord of our lives. Not only does he save us from all of our sins, past, present, future, past, present, and future sins, but he's also the Lord of our lives. Going back to that narrative, and I'm going to take us now to the Gospel of Luke. This is the same narrative of the triumphal entry. This is Palm Sunday, but told by the, Luke the Apostle. And look at what the Bible says in chapter 19, verse 28, something important that I want to point out. He said, we went ahead going up to Jerusalem. This is Jesus and the disciples. And he sent Jesus, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a coat tied there, which no one has ever written. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to circle or underline that word, Lord. In the Greek, that word Lord is the word kurios, and it's a title given to a master, to an owner, someone who is in control, someone who is a ruler. If you've watched movies that take you back in those days, they say, my Lord, my Lord, I'm here. They call, when a person says Lord to someone, it means that that person is their master, is their ruler. The Bible says Jesus is not only Lord, but he is the Lord of lords, Ruler of all rulers. And so slip into this narrative because Jesus tells two disciples, and the Bible doesn't say who the two disciples were. It could have been James and John or Peter and Andrew. And he says, listen, listen, I'm about to go into Jerusalem riding on this donkey, and so, but we need to find that donkey that I'm going to ride on. We need to find that colt. So Jesus tells the two disciples, listen, I want you to go into that town, that village. There's a donkey there. There's a colt there that's never been ridden, and I want you to untie it. And if that master, if they're they're, they're lord of that donkey, were to ask you, why are you taking it? Just say, the Lord, Lord of Lords, needs it. Now, mind you, think about this for a moment. We know how the narrative goes. We know how this story ends. But these two disciples had no idea. Jesus, wait a minute. You're telling us to go into that village? These people don't know us. I mean, they're going to think that we're lying. They were uh, trying to steal this donkey. They think, they think we're thieves. I mean, we can get arrested. They can beat us up. But they didn't ask any questions. Come on now. They did it because what? Yes. The Lord. So it Lord, Lord. The Lord needs it. So look at what happens in the rest of the narrative. So those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the coats, its owner said to them, Why? Are you untying the coat? Just like Jesus had said. And they said, the Lord, capital L, has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and set Jesus on it. It was all part of God's perfect plan. And the disciples, because they were obedient and the Lord needs it, they submitted to God's request and they did it. And God blessed their obedience. What's the big deal? That simple act of obedience that seemed like something very insignificant was actually the fulfillment of a 500-year-old prophecy. Because Zechariah, back in the Old Testament, this is 500 years. Stay with me. This is 500 years before Jesus Christ comes into Jerusalem on a donkey. In Zechariah 9, verse 9, look at the Bible says. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout!" Daughter Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. On a what? On a coat. The foe of a donkey. It was the fulfillment of a 500-year prophecy. Why? Because the disciples knew, listen, the Lord needs it. Not only is he my savior, he's my Lord, he's my master. He governs everything I do, so I submit to his will. Is he the Lord of your life? Breathe, Augustine, one of the early church fathers, he said the following statement. He said, he said Jesus Christ is not valued at all until he's valued above all. Jesus Christ is not valued at all until he's valued above all. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And the moment you come into a relationship with Jesus, there is a new standard that you're called to uphold because you're now a child of God. He's not only your savior, but he's also your Lord. A couple weeks ago, I had a meeting with someone in the community and I never had met with this person, this guy, nice, nice guy. And. We were getting to know each other, small talk, and he was asking me, you know, what are some of the hobbies that you have? And I started telling him, well, I don't have many hobbies, but, you know, I do enjoy running. So he asked me, you know, how often do you run and how long do you run for? So I answered those questions to him, and he said, oh, you're a runner. I said, runner? Yeah, you're a runner. If you run that much, you're a runner. And I go, I never view myself as a runner. And so two weeks ago, I needed to buy new shoes, new running shoes. And I went on my phone and I purchased them on the Nike app. I received my Nike shoes and they were too tight on me. So I went back, I went to the UPS store and I shipped my shoes back uh, to to the Nike store. And so in the meantime, I'm like, I need new shoes to run. You know, I run often, so I need new shoes. And so I happened to be at Costco. And listen, I love Costco, nothing bad about Costco. Costco. But I saw some running shoes and they were Adidas and they were $29.99. So I'm like, all right, let me try them on. I put them on, it's not too bad. So I I buy the shoes and I tell my wife, oh, I got the shoes, don't worry, I didn't get Nike. I just got them at Costco. She's like, Costco? Yeah, I got them at Costco. Babe, are you sure you wanna wear those shoes to run? Like, ah, it's good, it's all good, it's all good. So I put them on and I go for a run and I go on the treadmill. I kid you not. After one lap, like I had to stop running. I thought I was losing blood circulation on my feet. My toes were all squished. I was like, felt like I was sideways. I mean, they were super uncomfortable. I was getting cramps on my calves. I mean, I'm like, I need to stop. And so I stopped running. I go back home and I tell my wife, and she's like, Of course that happened to you. You're a runner now. You're not only gonna walk with those shoes. You're not going to just use those shoes to be in the office you're a runner now and because you're a runner there is a certain level a standard that you're called to uphold to make it to the end because you're a runner now can i remind us at all of our campuses you're a child of god now there is a standard that you're called to uphold because you're a child of god now so you don't respond the same way other people respond on facebook You don't respond the same way other people respond on Instagram. You don't respond the same way other people respond on Twitter because you're a child of God now. You serve your children in a different way. You lead your family, your husband, your wife. You serve them in a different way because you're a child of God now. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses because Jesus is not only the Savior of the world, he is the Lord of my life and the simple act of obedience led to fulfillment of a prophecy. Right now, this is Holy Week. We're entering into Holy Week. Next Sunday, we're gonna celebrate Easter. Simple act of obedience of giving an invite card to someone. You never know what that invite card can do into someone else's life, how it can change their life. See, the greatest miracle in the Bible was not Jesus walking on water, The greatest miracle in the Bible was not God parting the Red Sea. The greatest miracle in the Bible was not God protecting Daniel in the lion's den. The greatest miracle in the Bible was not Jesus healing a paralyzed man. But rather, the greatest miracle in the Bible is a sinner coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because he is the Lord of my life. He's not only the Savior of our sins... The Lord of my life, here's the last one. He is faithful to his word. God is faithful to his word. Look at what the Bible says in Psalm 119, 89. If you ever get a chance, I would encourage you to read the book of the chapter 119 in the book of Psalms. 176 verses, and they have to do with the word of God. Look at what verse 89 says. Forever, oh Lord. You know what forever means in Hebrew? It means Forever. Forever, forever, O oh Lord, Your word, now Your expectations, is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness, say with me, faithfulness. faithfulness. Say it like you mean it. Faithfulness, faithfulness. endures to all generations. Oh, you have established the earth, and it stands fast to all generations. Not only the generations of the Old Testament Woo. of Abraham, Joseph, and Come Jacob, on. and Noah and Moses and Joshua and Jeremiah and Daniel and Ruth and Ezra, not only the generations of the Old Testament, not only the generations of the New Testament of the first early Christians, but every single one of the generations, our generations, our future generations. God may not live up to your expectations, but he will always live up to his word. Here's the thing, Jesus was not what they expected him to be. They expected him to deliver the Roman Empire. Jesus never promised that. That's right. But he was faithful to his word because every 331 prophecies that were said about Jesus, he fulfilled them all. And if he was faithful in the past, how is he not gonna be faithful in the present and the future? We serve a God who's faithful to his word. Two weeks ago, uh, during spring break, my family and I, we decided to go uh, to North Carolina. We, uh, I told you that I lived there for, for about five years, and I have an older sister that lives there, and my father, it was unplanned trip, uh, and we went because my dad uh, was taking my older sister's RV uh, back to North Carolina. It was here in Miami for some time, and so we decided just to tag along, and so this RV is a 36-footer you know, massive living room, dining room, kitchen. It was amazing. I had never traveled in an RV before, and this is my older sister's vehicle. This is really, really, you know, massive vehicle. And so at the beginning of the journey, my oldest nephew, who's 20 years old, was sitting right beside my dad, who my dad was driving, and my father had never driven an RV before. And so at the beginning of the journey, my nephew was telling my dad, Abuelo, 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 Granddad, are you sure you know what you're doing? Awelo 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 granddad, do you know that, are you able to drive this RV? And he was nervous, he was anxious, he was worried, he was lacking peace and he kept on asking him, awelo awelo do you need help? Do you, are you sure you know how to drive this? I mean, you know, going from Miami all the way to Cary, North Carolina, it's 14 hours. I don't think you're gonna be able to do this. I don't think you, you have, you know, he did not expect for my dad to know what he's doing to drive an RV. So my dad finally told him, listen, Son, don't you forget, I was a truck driver for 40 years. You're talking to somebody who's driven a vehicle much larger, more complicated, more complex than this 36-footer RV. I know what I am doing. And my dad, like a champ, was driving, took us all the way over there. After 14 hours, we were in South Carolina. He was driving through some tight roads. He's doing an amazing job. He drove our RV better than all of us put together. And he told them, listen, don't you worry. I got this. I know what I'm doing. And at that moment, all the anxiety and the frustration and the lack of peace went completely away. He told them, I got this. I know what I'm doing. Can I remind us today, no matter what's happening in your life, Jesus is saying, don't you worry son, don't you worry daughter, I got this. Oh, Pastor Carlos, you don't understand what's happening in my finances. You don't understand what's happening. You know, inflation is insane. The housing market, gas gas prices. Listen, listen, listen. Jesus says in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. And if you have me, you will never be hungry again. Oh, Pastor Carlos. You don't understand what's happening at home. You don't understand what's happening in my marriage. You don't understand what's happening with my children. You don't understand what's happening in my marriage at home. Don't you worry because I got this. I am the good shepherd who shepherds you in every single season of your life. Pastor Carlos, we live in such a dark world. There's so much wickedness, so much evil, what they're teaching our kiddos. I don't know what's gonna happen to our society, to our world. Listen, 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 don't you worry, I got this. I am the light of the world. Light will overcome any darkness. How many of you believe that today? oh pastor carlos you don't understand what's happening to me physically i am anxious about the medical report that i'm about to receive listen john 11 says i am the resurrection and life you will never perish he will either heal you in this life or he'll heal you in the next life i am the door i am the way the truth and the life i am divine and apart from me that is my savior apart from me you cannot do anything that is the savior that we serve i am the light of the word i am the good shepherd i am the bread of life i am the resurrection of life i am the door i am the way the truth and the life i am the vine how many of you believe that today at all of our campuses come on and give jesus a shout of praise That's cave We're going to stand to our feet now and we're going to declare this over our lives. He's a good God. If he was faithful in the past, he's going to be faithful in the present. He's going to be faithful in the future. Come on, Frankie. Lead us in worship. Come on. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. Everyone in this room, if you're watching us online, you're at one of our campuses. Maybe you're joining us for the first time. or Maybe you've been coming here for many weeks. Maybe you're thinking, Pastor Carlos, that message is for me. I was placing the wrong expectations on Jesus and it's affected my relationship with him. And maybe you don't have a personal and intimate relationship with Christ. My friend, I have good news for you. The Bible says in John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that who shall ever believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Bible says in Romans 3, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but only through the free gift of salvation comes through Jesus alone. And today, my friend, you have an opportunity to make that decision to follow Jesus, to make him the savior of the world and your Lord as well. With no one looking, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. We're not going to put you on the spot. We're not going to point you out. We do want to pray for you, and we want to know who you are. And so as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're making that decision today to follow Jesus, at this very moment with no one looking in this room and in the other rooms, all the campuses, you're watching us online, would you just take a moment right now and lift up your hand as high as you can God bless you, man. God bless you. God bless you. Tons of hands lifted. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Put your hand down. God bless you. Even if you did not lift up your hand, God bless you, the balcony. God bless you. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, but rather the condition of your heart. And God wants your heart. He wants it all. There where you are, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. You can pray the same exact words, or you can pray something similar. Father, God, I come before you, and I recognize that I'm a sinner, and my sins separate me from you, God. God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my old life, and I come to you today, and I ask you to be my Lord and to be my Savior, to be my best friend and to be my everything. From this day forward, I will live for you and you alone. Write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your holy and precious name that I pray. Amen. Amen. and Amen. Christ Fellowship, if you're excited for those that sent that prayer, why don't we give it up for them? Amen. If you made that decision to follow Christ, make sure you go to our Next Steps area. We have a Bible that we want to give you. We want to welcome you uh, to God's family. And If you're watching us online, you can also fill out a digital connection card and so we want to say we want to welcome you into God's family well next weekend church family we're gonna be dismissed in just a moment but next weekend is Easter Sunday how many of you are excited for Easter come on make some noise so here's what we want to challenge you we want to challenge you to grab some invite cards and invite someone but don't only invite them bring them to church if you have to pay for their lunch do that but bring them to church to hear A powerful, powerful message, and it begins on Good Friday. Our campus pastors are bringing a word. I'm going to be at the West Kendall campus, so I'm excited to be at West Kendall. And then Saturday and Sunday, make sure that you come. It's going to be special time for the kids and time for you as well. It's going to be a life-changing message. You're not going to want to miss it, so see you next week. God bless you. Everyone is dismissed at all of our campuses. God bless you. Have an incredible Palm Sunday. God bless you.